it sucks big time. But uh, you know, uh, that's okay because uh, uh, it's happening everywhere. Um, so it doesn't feel as as terrible. I guess is that a good way of looking at it? I feel like maybe. Uh... Yeah. Maybe it's not the best way. Let's uh let's let's talk about cars. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's Yeah, all let's, this other everything uh, else sucks so bad. Yeah, let's talk cars about Cars are car- cool. Cars, cars are, are still pretty cool. Cars are real cool. Uh cars are so cool and also the uh as as we just as you just saw I was watching the the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Uh so and, awesome. Um coincidentally just the the most recent person who I was watching on the stream happened to be none other than Formula One world champion Jensen Button. So it was ah. I, I missed I missed his his bit in there. What was he was he driving something up the hill? Yep, it was the the final the the final hill climb at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, mm-hmm. and dude was driving an E Rally Cross, uh, and had just ah busted into the forty seven second. Uh, that was that was he broke the barrier and kind of opened it up, and I think the next guy up the hill was in some wild Porsche, like a. You know, seventeen-year-old brilliant European racer and some overpowered. Was that the one that was Porsche. skipping all over the grass and whatnot? Yeah. That yeah. I saw that. That was berserk. That was yeah. absolutely nuts. And I, I, all right. So hold on, hold on. Uh, let's well, let's, let's yeah, let, back let's, up. Let, yeah, just a, let's, just a let's, little bit. Let's hold on. Let's because we're recording, so let's jump into this. Folks, welcome to the F1 Files. I am your host, Corey Willis. I am an improviser, comedian, and writer from upstate New York, but now living in Los Angeles, California. Uh, who are you, John? <laughs> I'm John. <laughs> I'm, what's What's up? This is uh, This is John. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a creative leader, designing the future for all sorts of silly stuff, holding it down on the East Coast. Hell yeah! Um, so. So, all right. So we're already, so, so we'll talk about, uh, th- there's some fun stuff to cover this week. We've got a down week. Yeah. No, no, ra- no, no Grand formula Prix. one racing, mm-hmm. no Grand Prix. Um, I'm trying, I'm, I'm running through my head in terms of like any super significant F1 news. Maybe there was a little something, some Just fun, re-signing. uh, you know, y- Yuki and Pierre memes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. Internet and whatnot. Um, uh, but, but, uh, you know, I think, there's there's two things that I was hoping mm-hmm. we could touch on uh, for for this episode, and that is talking about the Goodwood Festival of Speed, which does overlap a little bit with Formula One, and then mm-hmm. as a follow up to last week's episode about the Canadian Grand Prix, I thought that uh, perhaps we could tell some of the the legends of our experience uh, yeah. going to Montreal and witnessing in the flesh uh, the the canadian grand prix such yeah, an incredible yeah. race and such an incredible city and and all of that um so all right let me let me bring it right back to where you were yeah let's let's on the goodwood festival of speed mm-hmm. goodwood festival of speed if you are not familiar is this wild event that happens in uh and and you'll have to fill in some of the details for me because it's it to me is just I mean, this super I mean, I feel like broadly I'm, I'm, 
I'll have just as much information as you because I didn't really. I've seen every. If you're a car person, if you are paying, if you scroll through Instagram, if you scroll through social media, and linger on a video of a car that is driving very aggressively, and it's like some old Porsche or some old Corvette. Uh, doing tank slappers around hay bales. You're probably watching a video from Goodwood, from like yeah, that that yeah. looks like some rowdy automotive madness That's happening in like backyard. on like yeah, like perhaps at a country club. Like there's uh, it's, some. It's it is actually technically a Duke's residence. Uh, so this is right, like right, right, a right, right. Duke in some rural part of the UK, rural part of England, who is obsessed with motorsport and uh aero like aeronautical engineering and just has built this like a literal festival of speed where it's just a bunch of old brits <laughs> and it's and, and and that yeah. is what it is it is like yeah. it's this insanely it's bizarrely this perfect mix of super high class bougie mm-hmm. and like you know everybody that like in attendance looks like they're attending like a tennis match or or something oh yeah and then it's also like just the rowdiest automotive stuff imaginable but also some of the most elite and exotic and historic and it's everything from like the most priceless antique automobiles being thrashed within an inch of their Mm -hmm. life and then also having just like a bunch of chaotic drifters thrown in the mix. Oh yeah, uh, tearing yeah. tearing up like literally doing donuts on the lawn, doing and, donuts and on a Duke's lawn while a person. Uh, these are like professional. Also, the stunt team uh, is sponsored by Rich yes. Energy, which is just such a yeah, perfect yeah. nod to like yep, the absurdity yep. of motorsport. Uh, Google the Rich Energy, cons- uh, not conspiracy, but yeah, it's a conspiracy because um, uh, <laughs> they still <laughs> exist. Uh, Google them as a sponsor uh, for the Haas F1 team. But also they they have like a motorcyclist who is like on with a hand on a 800 horsepower Aston Martin as this thing is doing donuts and the bike is also doing donuts uh yep. and like they're just casually doing this in front of did, people did they bring yeah. did they bring out the guy so who wild. does like a whole lap up the hill uh on two wheels yes like, yes. like James Bond style yeah uh, yeah I it's forget, like a, I forget a the legit dude's wheelie name. car yeah yeah he, he's a he's a maniac he uh he used to do stuff maybe he still does he had an Evo 9 at one point that was his like stunt car that he would that thrash around and, and yeah, whatnot. The, but, uh, the wheelie car literally has a fiberglass uh cut out in the bottom of the tub of the of the car so that when he's up doing wheelies he can spot where he's going because mm-hmm. the car is pointed at the sky so he literally cut out uh and installed like a windshield on the bottom of the car so he can see where he's going and it's like independent throttle control on the rear wheels to help with like active steering while he's doing wheelies so it's like that kind of hey let's like backyard engineer a wheelie car but also yeah yep. they have independent torque steering on those rear wheels of a thousand pound wheelie car um and it's insane because this thing will tear by and then there will be almost like a golf clap that comes from Mm -hmm. a bunch of like 
beat red in the face, super drunk, elderly British folks who are yeah. who are watching this uh, wonderful entertainment before well, them. I while, uh, like uh, like literally while like a uh, uh, like the most stereotypical Buffy looking British woman in a sun visor and a like a sweater and a tennis skirt. Uh, and just like turkey necked because she's in her 80s and has been in the sun and summered on the French Riviera her whole life. Like just like the most stereotypical. And then also it'll be like uh, an F1 fan who lives 30 miles away who drove with his family yep. and is like his son is spilling beer uh, as he's like on his shoulders uh holding his dad's beer while his dad is trying to take yeah, sp- it. Sp- speaking of uh like, it's so sh- wild sh- uh shout out to my buddy uh Jamie Gao who was actually there yesterday Jamie if you're listening to this oh. report back to us and let us know if any of our uh you know assertion of what oh. what the what your your weird blend of super high class british rednecks um, if if we were anywhere close to being accurate on that, because it looks absolutely amazing. So yeah, I, yeah. I I I, I want to get out there uh, someday. It's definitely a bucket list for sure. item for me, and it's it, and to me, it's just so much fun because it's there's a a little bit of competition mixed in. It is basically oh, yeah. a a hill climb, a single you know a single path, not a a track where you go lap after lap but a, mm-hmm. a single single path that the cars will take that they do time and they do track but uh it, the it really is more than anything just i think about seeing all these cars all these different cars like radically yeah. different cars and there's all sorts of cool stuff there were uh you know some certain exotic cars that were unveiled mm-hmm. less than exotic sports cars mm-hmm. unveiled there and just all these different things did in the you mix. See, um, did you see the e-scooter demo, John? Did you see no, the e-scooter no. demo? So they what? are fully, they have someone who is involved with the Extreme E, which is the all-electric powered yeah. uh, uh, circuit. Off-road. Off-road. Yeah. It's like the Dakar rally, but they take it on boats and like ship it around the world and take it to like Antarctica, uh, as well as like the Gobi desert to run these E, uh, E competitions. So one of the dudes who runs, I think one of those teams, I can't remember which one he engineered a league of e-scooters where these things are doing 60 miles an hour Mm -hmm. and have active suspension on the rear and people are taking them on like these tracks. Uh, and they're like proper Olympic athletes, who are starting to do this because they have the leg strength to control these things. Uh, so it's like Jesus. a MotoGP melded with e-scooters. Right, right. So it's so they had a demo of that in like the infield part randomly that you see from like helicopter footage, which yeah, they have helicopter footage for the Goodwood Festival of Speed. It's such a wild, it is such a perversion of automotive culture in, yeah. in the most beautiful way. Like it is, it is, uh, amazing and i i really i hope to go someday i hope that we get to go together john's because i just want to marvel uh in that yeah yeah it's, it's, i, it's I think it would be 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 absolutely amazing so a uh, few different ways in which it was overlapping with mm-hmm. f1 as it does every year there's usually a few f1 cars yeah that show up uh i think the most notable of which was uh nigel mansell's old ferrari f1 car i forget what year 
it was. I but can't, being piloted, I can't either. Piloted up the hill by Nigel Mansell himself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that thing sounded amazing. Yes. Sounded so, so good. Uh, yeah. You know, via the, via the live YouTube feed that I was watching, which, you know, I, I know doesn't come close to doing it justice, but uh, really wild seeing that thing out there. You mentioned uh, Jensen Button. Jensen Button was out the, there. Yeah, the, that that off road uh, electric car, and then uh, the the biggest, you know, the biggest piece of sort of like F one impacting Goodwood, or it was almost more Goodwood impacting F one is mm-hmm. uh, Max Chilton. Yeah, who is kind of a, a, a not a particularly notable racer uh, was running with Mahindra, but is notable um, because he's the last American, the the last U.S. F1 driver uh, to be on the grid. I believe was, was he was he American? I think. Well, he he. Um, I can't. Maybe I'm getting this information wrong now. I don't have my phone close enough to Google it. Um, but it, there was some sort of reference about him being, or maybe it was the last. No, he's a he's a he's a Brit. He's a um, Brit, but he was driving for maybe one of the last American F1 teams on the grid. Maybe that's mm, the reference. No, he's uh, he he went straight from F1 into IndyCar. That ah, that's be, what it was. Yeah, that might yeah. be what you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, Max Max Chilton, he never made a huge impact in in F1. Few mm-hmm. years with uh, Force India, uh, uh, or a year with Force India, and a couple years <laughs> yeah. with uh, Marusha. Yeah. Um, he showed up in what? Uh, do Which, you remember? Sorry, what this just thing real was? quick before before we move on from Force India. Yes. That Force India is what Aston Martin has evolved into today. So the Aston yes, Martin F1 yeah. team was formerly uh, Racing Point, uh, which was uh, bought, uh, which bought out Force India. So a former Indian uh, F1 team has now become uh, Aston Martin, which is this. <laughs> weird like uh, uh something that was once indian now belongs to brits uh weird um uh, yeah and and yeah, and, yeah. and i'm sorry i'm i'm con- i'm mixing everything up all over the place as well i was previously saying he was racing for mahindra which yes. was a uh indian uh automotive brand that had a few different racing teams but actually never competed in formula 1 yeah but is currently racing competing he in was, formula e uh mahindra is yes, a formula yep. e team so it's still a, a top automotive um, company but it just is focusing more on the e-drive and electronic vehicles than like f1 yeah and back in the day in f1 max chilton was with uh marusha which was mm-hmm. a a briefly lived uh uh russian formula one team so yeah uh, he came out, uh, it was him and there was another, he had another driver that was supporting him and they were in this they, it's insane, the test, it's the development driver for right. that company. So it's, what, it's, what is, what is this thing? What, uh, so th- this, there's this car. I'm just going to describe it the way I yeah. interpreted it as I saw this thing show up. There is a car that runs up the hill at Goodwood and it looks like it is like half the width of a normal car like it's yes. almost like 
comically it like looks, something out of like a Mr. Bean. It looks you like know, uh, uh, um, in 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 uh, I can't remember. I think it's Batman Returns when the Penguin uh, takes over the Batmobile and then he has yeah. to like escape the cops and he blows off uh, like the outside parts of the Batmobile. Yep. It's not a it's not like a motorcycle, but it's just a super slim version that like, yep. goes through the alley. That's what this car looks like. <laughs> yes, it looks like a cartoon car that is squeezed itself to like yeah drive through a tight tight alley but it's Um, it's a company called mcmurdy uh and there it's uh it's a it's a just a a car um it's an automotive company that is trying to basically be weird (laughs) um just they're they're it's it's all about creating electric cars that are using uh like a fan motor um and also a fan, uh, a system of fans in order to create ground effect and suction to the to the ground. So it's not so much based on aerodynamic flow over the car, much like the F1 cars this year. They have uh, active um, like Venturi tunnels and active channeling of aerodynamics under the car to suck it to the ground. But this so, is generated so, by an electric fan. <laughs> it's so weird. So- so this thing looks like a squeezed together blend of like the Batmobile, the like Michael Keaton Batmobile mm-hmm. and uh, almost like a Lama, you know, prototype sort of sort of racer. And yeah. this thing fired up the hill a rate of shockingly it's like, visible it's, speed. It's like uncomfortable to watch the video because you're like, oh, this thing is going to crash. It's it's going too fast. Like I thought, I I thought my like you know I thought my YouTube feed was going to crash because I thought it was like broken and like playing it back too fast. Like it yeah. looked unbelievably unnaturally quick. Like it's like sped up like cartoonishly fast. Um, even not even if you look at the way that like other vehicles are moving on that track. If you just took in isolation, this video (laughs) and looked at it, you'd be like, something doesn't look right with the way that this thing is moving. There's like, Mm -hmm. it looks weird to the human eye, uh, because of how fast it's going and the way it's sticking to the ground too. Um, I saw a comment at the very end because of the way this, the structure of this specific track at Goodwood, the way that this hill time is created, the the track surface, which we've talked about uh, with like track surfaces on the circuits, on the F1 circuits, the one at this hill climb is more porous at the top of the track. So there are more gaps between the stones in the pavement itself. So when you see this specific car get to the top of the hill and is going at like max speed, uh, it looks like it's going to lose traction because these little pockets of air in the pavement are disrupting mm-hmm. the actual aerodynamic flow of the vehicle. So the car yeah. just like, I, I think when I sent the video to you, I was like, it looks like this thing is skipping across the pavement. And then listening to the comment, I was like, Oh, that's, it's because that's exactly what it's doing. It is skipping yep. violently across the pavement while doing dangerous speeds. Uh, it's so cool looking though. Oh, so cool. it's really wild. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. And like, whenever I hear of the fan car, I think of, uh, I think it was Brabham in the seventies or early eighties, early eighties ran, a, yeah. ran a fan car that was immediately, outlawed and banned yeah. in formula one 
Yeah. Um, the whole idea literally being a massive fan underneath the car that would create suction, literally pulling the car downwards mm-hmm. towards the ground, like almost like uh, aerodynamic black magic to, yeah. you know, force the car into the ground outside of just, you know, traditional aerodynamics. Uh, really fascinating stuff, really unconventional. Mm-hmm. Um, approach and sure as shit this thing broke the all-time record of course at goodwood yeah yeah and it's it really is it it was mind-blowing to watch uh and then also just on on like on the subject of uh of of like experimental technology when it comes to automotive uh stuff that you see uh automotive uh, displays and showcases that you see at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. There was a Le Mans car. So there's this, you know, the 24 hour race at Le Mans. It's like a legendary thing that happens. Um, and one of the cars that they brought out, I can't remember the name of it now, but it is a car that is designed to run on hydrogen and electric power. And basically, I don't understand the full science of this. But the idea here is there is an electronic or sorry, a hydrogen battery uh, storage capacity on this vehicle that then moves it through the air. And then as it's moving through the air, it generates an, <laughs> a, a, a reaction from the hydrogen and the air passing over these fuel cells that that generates more electric power. <laughs> So it's the idea is like basically if you like there's like a very funny meme of like uh of like someone holding a magnet out in front of a car and then having the car right. like yeah, yeah, being yeah. pulled and it's like that concept but actually put into practice um and again I'm absolutely butchering the science cuz I don't understand it and even if you told it to me and it was explained to me I would not be able to turn and regurgitate it to someone else it just it doesn't make sense uh but this is that like next level of like oh there is free energy out there you just have to use what is available and use physical reactions in order to generate it and then harness it the same way that we use actual explosions in a motor (laughs) to generate Mm -hmm. horsepower in order to propel the thing forward i mean it's the same idea we're using a chemical reaction to propel cars forward. So now people are like, Hey, we could do this in other ways. And this hydrogen and electric powered car is that, and it was, I mean, it's going to run at Le Mans. Uh, it's going to compete. So it's not just some experimental. Ooh, wow. It wouldn't, it be nice. It's like, no, this thing is going to run for 24 hours straight and be stress tested. So it's not just like this cool concept that's getting, touted out and and rolled out and shown to this adoring automotive audience they're like hey we're gonna run this at Le Mans just like they're going to run this other new Porsche that they rolled out this week at the Festival of Speed which Mm -hmm. is like basically there's no way Porsche is not going to dominate Le Mans this year with 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 the cars that they've got Porsche is making a huge comeback I know this isn't a Le Mans podcast and I don't know that much about that race but everything that I've heard is like Le Mans about to get demolished by Porsche again, <laughs> the way it was back in like the nineties. Yeah. Yep. And you know, and then what's, you know, what's the next thing they're going to conquer F one. They're coming in. They're coming in. They're hot. coming in. 
What, so, what year are we expecting Porsche 20, in F1? Uh, 2026. So when the new, okay. af- after the new engines roll out, after we dis- dis- um, dispatch, I think it's the MGUH. Uh, once we get rid of that, uh, there is going to be, they're, they're coming in uh, because Porsche and Audi don't have MGUH technology currently that they've been working on. And mm-hmm. the one that, the motor that Audi was working on back in, I guess, 2012 did not incorporate the MGUH because that wasn't part of the new formula. Uh, they weren't developing for the new formula. And now in 2013, they were like, hey, by the way, we're doing <laughs> this recapture tech. And Audi and Porsche was like, mm-hmm. well, we're not we're not entering our motors, so we're not going to develop it. Fast forward 12 years, and now Audi and Porsche are like, hey, if you're getting rid of that, we're willing to come back in. Yeah. and that's all F1 has been talking about is like, hey, we need more engine suppliers. We need more yep. people to show up. We don't need more teams, but we need more engine suppliers so that there can be a little bit more equity in the competition instead of just like Mercedes having two junior teams and uh, Ferrari having two junior teams and Red Bull having a quote unquote sister team, which is just their junior team, right? So they're trying to expand on the motor pool. And I think Porsche is going to show up big in 2026. Uh, that's going to be massive. Um, yeah. Any, anything else from the, the festival of speed this, this, this past? No, I, I just, I just want to go. I want to, yeah. I want yeah, to go. So uh, I want I want to get out there. It seems really fun. It seems like the perfect blend of just like soaking in an appreciation for all different kinds of sick cars yeah. not just motorsports related there's some street cars in the mix as well yeah. and like of so many different histories and vintages and and whatnot and but motorcycles fact- too motorcycles yep. uh, yep. there were like it was something wild like five moto gp champions did like a yep. parade lap uh and oh yeah, they have was- a whole separate rally stage that's yep. part of the festival uh they had a, a drifting competition mm-hmm. that was in the mix um, yeah, w- wild stuff. I, I just love that sort of like mix. And I love the idea of this sort of thing where it's that, you know, there's something really fun about the insane, you know, obnoxiously elite world of hyper, you know, uh, car collector top tier sort of stuff where for, I mean, I'm sure there's many of these things that are locked in vacuum sealed, you know, bags in a museum somewhere. Yeah. But there is a big part of this culture where the best thing that you can do with your historic vehicle is to flog the piss out of it. And I just love this idea of like, yeah, I just love the idea of like, you know, it's like watching people playing like ultimate frisbee with a with a picasso painting and yeah. you know and yeah. and, and that th- there's just something I, I i appreciate that so much so it's fun fun to see this stuff out there being being run being thrown around and oh there and was like everybody having a good time with it of like a ferrari 256 gtb like uh, uh this gorgeous gorgeous ferrari uh i think that i sent it to you where they were like just destroying this thing the the hardest i've ever seen that uh vintage ferrari driven and someone was just thrashing this thing around uh mm-hmm. the, the goodwood festival of speed just like uh on that hill hill climb track 
just like one of those like, oh, that that car was driven like this way back when. We just never got to see it. People our age, people our parents' age never got to see these cars driven like that because they were all driven in Italy back then or driven in Europe. They never made it over to the U.S. And they're still not here. They're over in the U.K. Uh, So it's Mm -hmm. just it's so cool to see that. And that I think that does create this accessibility thing where you've got and I don't know how much tickets are. Maybe Jamie can 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 let us know what what it was to to get in there over the course of the weekend but it does feel like it's like accessible as in where a mm. grand prix weekend that might not be ideal that might not be great for a, a bunch of people to pack up their lives and go to this like very high priced city on a weekend where all the rates have spiked and take time off and fly there or take a train there instead. Like, yeah, it's so cool to be able to have access to a four day long festival, literal festival where you can watch someone go do donuts. You can watch George Russell, a current F one driver from uh, a, a top tier team. Uh, I mean, um, uh, Joe Guan Yu was there this, this week, uh, mm-hmm. like that he got to sign autographs. Like that's a way to show that people have access to this world and that you don't just have to go to a race to be a fan. You can go and watch these cars showcase their ability. You can go and watch, I mean, for Christ's sake, you got to watch, uh, Mika Hakkinen drive Ayrton Senna's, uh, MP like his his old McLarens like not yeah. just one old McLaren but a series of the old McLarens we got to watch people drive the the Tolman the first car that Ayrton Senna got to drive as a Formula One driver someone got to thrash I mean relative thrash that car up the hill uh, at the Goodwood Festival of Speed you're not you, you, we hear about this right like John you and I have gone to. We went to that screening of the Senna movie and watched a room full of people twice our age get teary-eyed and get all choked up watching these cars driven in anger. And like, we've never had access to that. So Mm -hmm. the idea that there is like a place where you could go and put your arms on a hay bale and maybe like put your kids up on your shoulders and watch these cars driven in anger by these legends or by current F1 drivers is just like, that's you can't put a price on that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just wild. So yeah, uh, uh, that I can't wait to go to the festival speed at one point with, with either with you or after you or before you and report back. (laughs) Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. It's something that's obtainable, but part of me does wonder if it's like actually the hardest to get into or most elite of, these sort of experiences to yeah, go and maybe. hang out on the, uh, yeah, on the, you know, the, the, what, what did you say? It's a Duke's estate, it's a literal uh, Duke's estate, like yeah. uh, watching Karun Chandok, who is an F1 commentator. If you've heard yeah. and watched F1, he is one of the, he's a former F1 driver. Uh, and he is like the MC of the whole <laughs> weekend. Basically, uh, he goes and like, he helps to sponsor it and promote it. And he MCs it and interviews people like Nigel on the Duke's balcony. And he quite literally is like, right. thank you so much, your grace. Like he addresses the Duke who stands yeah, next yeah. to him as your grace. Uh, it's such a weird antiquated and like 
seemingly inaccessible environment that just is like, oh yeah, you can go and you know spend like a couple hundred dollars and watch people thrash F1 cars around and vintage Ferraris and cars that are powered by electric fans. Um, uh, God, so cool. Uh, all right, John, let's 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 talk about the our Canadian Crack. GP. Yeah. Crack open the scrapbook and yeah. uh, uh, so. Uh, starting in 2011, 2011 mm-hmm. was the first time, uh, uh, Corey and I started a very beautiful tradition of making the, per- the pilgrimage from New York city up to Montreal to attend the Canadian Grand Prix, yeah. which coincidentally would always fall on the same weekend as Corey's birthday. And, uh, for, for both of us, uh, you know, uh, particularly 2011 was our first time ever even attending a formula one race in person. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's, uh, I, I haven't been in several years and I'm, I'm itching for us to get back there, but it's something that for me always holds an incredibly fond place in, uh, in my heart. I mean, when you, Corey, when you think of the the our our years visiting the Canadian Grand Prix, what's like the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, honestly, it like it was the experience of like the excitement of getting tickets, knowing that we were going, and just knowing that we were going to get to drive the Adirondack Northway. Uh, on up through just like the most beautiful region of upstate New York and then getting to uh, to Montreal where it's just this like gorgeous trip. So that to me, it, I'm immediately reminded of driving up there, getting, I don't even remember what exit we were at, but getting way up there and being like, oh, shit, we got to stop off and get gas because there's not going to be gas uh, for <laughs> yep. Yep. like between here and the Canadian border and driving down this like random road close to Lake George and uh, taking that like just the the tunnel of trees of these massive uh, pine mm-hmm. trees on either side and driving uh, you driving the the Evo down these roads and having these this like moment of like panic in my stomach being like oh my god i hope we find a gas station soon i hope we find a gas station soon and then when we pulled off to the gas station it was like something out of a movie it just felt like a an old adirondack gas station <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah 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 rocking chairs no, like on hand, the porch. handwritten handwritten price you know yeah yeah, yeah. um so that's yeah like, that- that's the first thing i that like pops into my mind is that like that trip that just yeah, getting there I, was an adventure. Yeah. I, I always associated, yeah, especially our first time going, uh, I had just uh, only a few months prior had gotten uh, a, a Mitsubishi Evo, which to me was like the most exciting toy mm-hmm. in the world and something that I was still sort of acquainting myself with. And I remember we, uh, uh, I'll just leave it at, you know, we made, we made good time, <laughs> good we time and sh- we sure probably did. not very good, uh, you know, gas mileage, yeah, uh, making yeah. it up. <laughs> we may not have to, had to stop uh, at that gas station if we were a little more responsible, uh, probably uh, yeah, making, yeah. <laughs> make, making our way to, uh, to, to Montreal. But, um, yeah, you know, 
uh, just the, the road trip aspect of it. Um, and, and even the way we had like broken that up by visiting friends and, and doing all sorts of fun stuff on the way up. But like, yeah, I, I specifically remember shout out to, uh, uh to Lynn, to Lynn and Lou, uh, providing us, uh, uh a place, uh, <laughs> a, a nice set of beds and, uh, an amazing, uh, meal, um, on their Lake George, uh, house. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. that was, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, that was, that, yeah, that was, uh, and, and like, yeah, every, every aspect of it became like, you know, a pregame to the pregame yeah. to the pregame of, uh, of the main event. For me, it's, uh, it, when you go to the track, uh, mm-hmm. in, in Montreal, it's on a man-made Island where they, uh, the, the Island I think was, originally established for the world's fair back yep, in yep. i don't remember uh, it's like the the world's exposition like that's why yeah montreal expos the baseball team existed as like uh yep. as like a oh yeah the i think it was the 86 was it the 80 no no that's not it uh, it was earlier than that um but it was like a uh, Montreal's world's exposition. And this island was built. It has like a ton of facilities and just gorgeous like walking parks and areas. Uh, and this weird geodesic dome that, that exists as you get over this bridge. Uh, but yeah, it was it was from from the world's exposition. I, I, yeah. I just remember walking over that bridge. So you you would you would uh, there you do not drive to the track and park your car there. You take the metro. You take the the uh, a pretty pretty solid subway system. Yeah. in in Montreal, you take that over and you walk. It's almost like a mile and a half from yeah. the station across so like, these bridges uh, to the track itself. The, uh, it's, it's like the Drapeau. Um, yeah, I have, uh, yeah, I still have, uh, like the literal signage from that Grand Prix, uh, that yep. I, I tore off the walls on the way home, uh, in that subway station. I still have that. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you like go to an underground station, get to the Island itself and then walk up, uh, from this like underground station, you like get on these escalators that take you up and then dump you out into this world exposition park. And then from there, you have to walk to this man-made bridge, uh, or this man-made Island. You're yeah. so far away. So and far. like every, everything is like, you know, the, the flags are, you know, the formula one branded flags are all there and everything, you know, and it's like, okay, get your tickets over here. And then it's like, cool. And now you're going to walk this way. Mm-hmm. And even being miles away. Yeah. Instantly through the air, you could hear the sound of these shrieking like they sound V8 engines. so angry they you can't truly this is why i really think everyone who's a fan of f1 needs to be able to see and experience one of these cars in person is yeah john being miles it's, away it's, it, it's it's kind of a shame because like we we don't you know the the modern cars yeah. are nowhere near as loud as the cars were even in in 2011 but Mm -hmm. that shrieking sound and hearing them like and this is just them like dawdling around getting warmed up you know before a practice session and hearing that that was just like instant goosebumps instant Mm -hmm. just sort of like oh man this is yeah this is this is it and like the energy of the people in that subway station too there's this thing that happens at these races 
and I, I bet it still is this way at the start of a, of a race weekend, like the, that first practice session, everyone is so excited to get to the track that there is no ill will. There is not like any negativity that is felt in the, mm-hmm. in this mass of hun- literally like tens of thousands of people are all trying to funnel their way to like one specific penned in area and no one's like fighting no one's like elbowing their way to get there it's just an environment that everyone is like soaking in uh it and was everyone's t- so eager too. like there's all this like yeah. anticipation just yeah. like we're so close to getting to the thing that we all came here to see yeah but it's I mean, like that, that that it's like christmas morning is coming it's not you you can't sleep any faster to get there. So it's like, it's coming. It's right there. All you got to do is just go <laughs> yeah. and like do the thing that you know how to do, which is like put one foot in front of the other, like just follow the sound of the angry hornet's nest. Um, yeah. Go against your, like your hard wiring as a human being, as a creature with a heartbeat to go towards the sound of like, Wow, that's like a high-pitched, weird, like, angry sound. Huh. I'm going to walk towards it. And then you get closer, and it's like, oh, that's not high-pitched. That's that's my brain processing the, the sound of a thousand explosions happening per second. Yep. <laughs> that, that, like, s- registers as a high-pitched scream, but it's concussive waves that my ears and brain can't process. It's so cool. And, you know, the sound is such a huge part of the experience. And I think especially that first time being there and hearing the sound and hearing the frequency hit your ears like it would be almost like, you know, the first time that you hear an orchestra in person and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, well, I've always heard this. Like, yeah, very familiar with this. Even like putting headphones on, I can like, I thought I got it. But but I never, yeah, I never knew like, that there was this whole other, you know, that there was no way that what I'm experiencing right now could have been previously translated to me in any way, shape, or form. For me, it was it was a really emotional thing. Like I felt oh, like I, like, yeah. I felt like I was like reflecting in my own like lineage, and like immediately it was thinking of like, oh, this is like what like my father and my uncle, oh yeah, were you know experiencing. <laughs> So like the first, the first memory is like the trip getting there. And then the second thing that pops into my head was us walking across that bridge as Mm -hmm. we're like getting closer and closer. And just as you're saying, like, I mean, John, your dad and your uncle are your dad and your uncle. But I also had this like feeling of like, oh, I've been anticipating this in a way that I is like, I never even understood how, how excited i was for this moment and then like walking across that bridge feeling all of this swell up inside of me and being like oh my god i can't believe this is happening and it sounds like corny it sounds that it like it's not possible but like feeling like wow is it raining why is like why are my cheeks wet and then realizing that i was crying like i was full-on like crying and then turning to you to be as to be like, holy shit, John, I'm crying. And like, you turn to me, and as we look at each other, we're both fucking crying as we're like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's doing it too, like fully emotionally, just like 
it just fully experiencing it with like our eyes and our ears and our skin and just like uh, it felt like a like a a real like a religious experience uh there's i can't really describe it in any other way um yeah it was wild wild so i i could talk for the next two hours about just the sound mm-hmm. and like th- there's a few different layers <laughs> or aspects on on that that i think i i I have no choice but to touch on and I'll I'll try and move through some of these like little vignettes or episodes quickly but I remember us uh especially in our first like 2 days at the mm-hmm. track just wandering around to every different corner of the track just to like see what the like acoustics were like what the sensation was like let's stand on the bridge that goes over the track that's barricaded so you can't see anything Mm -hmm. you can feel the cars run under the bridge and feel like the wood panels like yeah vibrate into you know through the soles of your sneakers into your ankles upwards into your spine into the back of your neck and like like you feel the the physics of the cars moving underneath you at that rate of speed, especially yeah. those cars in that generation that were just throwing up unbelievable amounts of filthy air off of the back end of them. And like feeling like feeling the, I, there's no other way, like feeling the force of the car, like almost lift you up off of the mm-hmm. ground. Uh, and by ground, yeah. I mean those wood planks because the wood planks themselves are being like yes. vibrated at a frequency that then pushes. Yeah, it's you also, off. it's like for, for a bridge that's going over supersonic traveling race cars, it was like the shittiest bridge yeah. made out of wood planks from the Coney Island cyclone. <laughs> like it really was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, kind of a, a rickety, rickety yeah. old thing. But it was like it was there's like cables that are attached to the bridge in order to hold the bridge in like in place. And I mean that yeah. by like cables that run from the top part of the the covered part down to the ground, like away from the bridge itself to be like, oh, this this bridge could leave the ground if it's not like tied down by three inch thick steel cables on both sides mm-hmm. uh, multiple times. It was just such a. Yeah. So that was one area of the track <laughs> that we were at. And so so most notable for the sound, I think, is going into the infield yes. of the track. And there's a spot where you could stand right against basically the the armco, right against the barrier. Mm-hmm. And watch the cars as they have just exited the kink after the hairpin yeah and are hitting full throttle and i remember approaching that it's like the the uh just for like visual reference the in john's talking about the infield of the hairpin there's a grandstand that you can see uh and basically the walking bridge dumps you out just next to that one so that you could like walk up to that grandstand and there's a little walkway that just goes right along the track and that's where john and i were uh, it, at this point and yeah. it's and like out of anywhere it's like i think the closest that you could actually get i mean and, and you'd Much, be like yeah. something like you know seven or nine feet away from the cars as they would rip past yeah this area and i remember being like what like you're so close here. Why aren't people huddled <laughs> Why, yeah. around here? Why? Why isn't there like, you know, a mob of people 20 layers deep to be at the section to like just have the experience of getting as close to these cars as they possibly can? Yeah. 
Uh, I remember you called your dad from that, uh, from that exact spot. Uh, and I, I don't think I still have it cause it was on an old phone at this point. I mean, it's, I've, I've got a video. I've got a video somewhere of us both screaming into, into our, our, our phones, phones at this yeah. section because that spot, the reason that it wasn't jam packed with people mm-hmm. was because the sound was so violently loud. Yeah. Like insane. Like it was with your earplugs in these cars would blow by there and it would make your mouth dry out and your eyes water and you feel queasy from the, just the vibration hitting your body, you know, in the form of sound so unbelievably loud. And like, it's the first, so that to me is like, and I'm sure I had this as like a child when I was scared at some point or, uh, even as like a younger adult, um, in a moment of like pure reaction, where being next to those cars at that exact spot on that track, invig- it like <laughs> elicited a fight or flight response uh, in yeah. me, and like all I wanted to do was run away from that spot or try and defend myself against the forces that were happening, and it was such a wild experience again this is one of those things where i'm like you gotta be close to these things in order to understand we are not built as human beings to like even register what that is like our body Mm -hmm. freaks out and goes we got to fight this thing or we got to run away like that is what happens when you get close to these cars so just the idea of driving one of them is or even being in a pit crew with that thing coming directly at you yeah. uh being like well it's gonna stop i know it's gotta stop um being like eh, everything in my brain and everything that's hardwired in my physical human existence says get away from this oh my god get away from this thing it's trying to kill you uh it's so cool and i i remember it being completely intoxicating yes um, and just the, you know, we, we would get to a point where we'd be like, I, we can't stand here anymore. Yeah, we it's have to walk like, away. Yeah. It's, ab- it's absolutely deeply uncomfortable. It's biologically uncomfortable yep. to stay here. And then, you know, uh, a couple hours later, another session would start up or something. We'd be like, Being like let's, let's just go back just for like, just for a, for like four, four minutes. Yeah. We'll see if we can hang there for four minutes. And it just, it just pulled you in. It was. Yep. And there's the the other part of the track that that kind of existed for me was uh, right at the end of the or the 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 beginning of that, like sort of kind of kinked straight away after you get to that first chicane after the first after turn Mm -hmm. one, you like go around that infield and then shoot out. And we were standing next to that fence, too. And I remember having my fingers through the fence. And when the car went by the first time, I pulled my fingers away. Like, <laughs> I like I just couldn't. I was like, ah. Uh, and it's like, it's not going to hit you. But like, you can't not like defend. It was I, so wild. I remember not our first year. It was either, either the second or the third year mm-hmm. that we went. We went straight to that point from the subway. Yeah. And the whole way there, we were following a group of like eight, dudes who you know it was like it's eight dudes with like 
at least 85 cans of bush, you know, so that they were bringing yeah. with them as, as you should, as you absolutely should. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, thing and, about the GP is they're like, yeah, BYOB or get it here, whatever. We're fine with it. It, yes, it was like, yeah, yeah. I don't that, know if that rule has changed. That was the thing. Like, there was, oh, there was wow. a lot of elaborate ways of getting in, you know, insane wheelbarrow amounts of, uh, of beer into yeah. the event. Um, and they checked. They were checking, but it was still like they yeah, were like yeah. air quotes checking uh, to make sure you weren't bringing in any outside alcohol. Yeah, I yeah, I, th- I thought it was still uh, uh, pretty much welcome. Like I don't know what they were checking. They were definitely checking for something, but yeah, I think it, it didn't was like, seem to be. Maybe you just it didn't have seem to like be that like I mean, or something. I don't. I honestly yeah, don't yeah. know. Like because there were people with coolers that were just like full of beer that they were looking in. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, like, yeah. yeah, significant numbers of people who are like dislocating their shoulders, carrying in giant, you know, aluminum coolers. Uh, oh, yeah. Full of uh, packed with ice and beer. I mean, we um, did. So we I, yeah, I yeah. we absolutely I filled my that that uh, wind, not wind, but like rain poncho. It has like the like vent areas and i like remember oh, putting yeah. molson tall boys in that um yeah. <laughs> it was yeah we we're yeah they didn't really care um so we're 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 following for you know the mile and a half walk to the the end of the front straight mm-hmm. um behind this group of like uh positively rowdy dudes they yes. seemed like they were having a great time but also just there to be like we're gonna we're gonna go wild and take in a grand prix and we got to that section of the track and it was like that for it was kind of the first point mm-hmm. where there was like a clearing where you could get up to the fence and it was just at the beginning of probably practice one or practice maybe two. practice two yeah and it was the first time that the cars came around the track at speed. Yeah. And we watched and we we just followed them right up to the fence and we walked up right behind these dudes who like again, <laughs> like these this like super rowdy bunch of, you know, frat boys or, you know, whatever version of of that stereotype you can come up with. And the cars came by shrieking by, ripping by. And these dudes, like, they, like, jumped into each other's arms. Like, it was, like, this insane, like, you know, like, they were, like, all of them were certain that they were, like, witnessing the worst horrifying, you know, flaming catastrophe in Formula One just because of the sound and, like, the shockwave that was hitting them. And they were, like, straight up, like, ducking for cover, like, like freaking out, jumping, like literally and, trying to hide behind each other. So funny. And I, and I remember us, you know, we, we didn't, I don't think we didn't point at them and laugh. I think it was just more of like a well, welcome, welcome to the, to the fun. To the, yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome. This is, this is, this is what we're all here for fellas. Enjoy. But it was like, it did, as we were walking behind them, it did become very obvious that this was, they were not, ready for that they were excited to go to a grand prix they fancied mm-hmm. themselves as being like very tough brave uh folks and like ah, maybe there may have ever even been like one or two of them who had been to like other tracks or other races or something but it was just this like dripping with bro energy and then just mm-hmm. the, the turn on a dime once the actual cars went by uh fast not i don't even it was a practice session so they weren't even like it wasn't the like 
consistent thing. That's the other thing with these yeah. cars is in a practice session, you get a couple of them going by. When they're in race trim, when they're going by in a race, he, like all those cars moving that fast, pushing that much energy out into the world yeah. as you stand there, it's it's overwhel- it really is overwhelming. You can't you you can't imagine what it is uh until you've actually experienced it uh then you're like oh yeah i think i could maybe explain this to someone else (laughs) um yeah it's wild um all right so let's talk about the actual the race that first race in 2011 itself uh, because it is it was a legend it was was, (laughs) yeah it was a i'm just gonna painted as it was a tough experience it was really rough uh we we got out there we knew there was going to be some rain Mm -hmm. coming so we had like some you know uh half baked ponchos or something that we we had gotten like Uh, oh we were rocking yeah trash bags from like some random store in montreal that we stopped off at was like oh we need ponchos oh let's just get trash we could just grab a couple of trash bags and we thought that was going to be enough um i've never i have never been outdoors in such a violent like monsoon of a rainstorm as we saw that that day so it was yeah it was berserk uh they delayed the start of the race by what like an hour it's like an hour hour maybe a a little yeah maybe a little more than that yeah and we were just watching we're standing in the we were in the stands at the tip of the hairpin getting getting soaked staying sort of dryish but it was creeping in on you yeah sort of dryish creeping in on you yeah yeah and uh you know watching the safety car just like a snow plow going through water uh yeah. you know because um, this is just, a, a man-made island in the middle of the saint lawrence seaway uh and yeah. it is there there is no real cover from the rain or the water and there's also a lake in the middle of the island itself so it's not yep. just that it's like Oh, an island that's built up. It's like, oh no, it's an island that's built up in a very specific way to not really get rid of water. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, at all, absolutely. Uh, but there's a racetrack on it. Oof, wow. Yep. So and wild. Uh, so we got we got a vicious soaking. The race gradually began, but it was basically raining throughout. Like the rain went from like a hundred percent down to. 85% level of, of blazing it. intensity. Yeah. And when like, and, so d- this is like, I know that what John and I are two, uh, two people from, um, from the United States, both of us have traveled outside of this country. Both of us have traveled to areas where there are actual tropical, like rainstorms. And like, we've, I, mm-hmm. I, I know for a fact that I've been, uh, close to the equator during the rainy season and it is brutal. It is absolutely brutal to experience those rainstorms. This is something that I have never experienced. The level of rain, the de- a true like deluge of water. Uh yep. unrelenting, not just coming in from like the side, but like I remember us going under one of those bridges during the downtime. Yeah. And being like four or five steps up and still getting rain that was like blowing up under the bridge like sideways and up and hitting me in the face from below on a diagonal as i'm standing on stairs 
like with like a bunch of like hundreds of people packed onto that bridge behind us all <laughs> trying to get away from this water. Yep. It was such a brutal Oh god, it was so brutal. It was it was pretty pretty savage. Um and I'm trying to remember once the race got going, I I thought that they had maybe even stopped it mid race or thrown a red flag or maybe they just oh did yeah like they a red flagged a lap they red flagged the race um very like pretty qu- not quickly but like within like like on like lap three or something yeah yeah because yeah, the rain was delayed and then like the actual storm showed up so this is the crazy thing it's yeah we're, we're like oh this is like the worst rain we've ever seen how are they going to start the race and then they start the race and we're like oh cool 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 so yeah like you said it gets down to like 85 percent. so it's like bad but not so bad that they can't actually start the race and then the real storm hits and Mm -hmm. this is this is literally the worst rain i've ever experienced with raindrops that hurt when they hit you like it wasn't like a rain that was like oh this is just too much and i can't see it was like these raindrops are pelting me and they're hurting me <laughs> uh, and i'm in a tank top it was also <laughs> it, and, and like it was still a warm summer day june this is like it's it was in its eight eighties. yeah oh and and the rain was like putting a deep chill into me and i mean we yeah. were we were completely drenched so i remember after withstanding this for like three hours or something sitting uh, on grandstands so this is us this happened when we were on like the grandstands at that hairpin turn and the rain's just crushing us we're packed in with a bunch of other people no one is really leaving uh and then people start to leave (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah and we over the course of like an hour, we went from you know ridiculing the people that were leaving uh, to deciding, all right, this 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 sucks. This like we're gonna we gotta go. Yeah. We're gonna get like hypothermia out here. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to die. Like <laughs> this is let's this is bad. Let's pack. Yeah. Let's pack it in. And I remember um, we were, if I'm not. I, I think we had checked, like we were already checked out of our hotel. Uh huh. So we went to the hotel, went to the parking garage, yep, to the Evo, yep, where all of our bags and stuff were, and we had to like do a full change of clothes in the parking garage. Now keep um, in mind, this is the tail end of a very sweaty weekend. Where like we didn't expect oh, yeah. to have to have an extra change of clothes. So we are on the last day of the weekend. We have one pair yep. of clothes to get us home tomorrow uh, that is still mm, sort of clean-ish because, again, we're like, you know, not we're, you know, uh, younger men. Um, so maybe not as prepared for life as we probably should have been. And, yep. yeah, uh, so we're back in this, back back in the garage. Uh, we went, went up to the, to the lobby of the hotel to just kind of have a drink, yeah. See the you know, they're 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 showing the rain delay, you know, safety car doing laps around the track. And they make the announcement that you know what, we think we're gonna start the we race start again. The Grand and, Prix. Yeah. And so John and I know, are we, like miles away from the track at this point at our hotel yes. trying to like gather ourselves to be like, are we gonna just drive home tonight? Or like what are we gonna do? We should Yeah, I mean we just got our ass is kicked by, yeah. by this by the grand prix yeah. like we got destroyed by it and we're sitting there kind of licking our wounds having a beer happy to just be 
yeah not having water violently hitting us and still with like soaked sneakers like we didn't bring yep. extra shoes so it's like yeah, we're yeah, still yeah. No, no. soaked no, in many not. different ways we haven't showered because we don't have a hotel yeah. room anymore it's just yeah it was brutal oh but they make the announcement and, uh, yeah they made the announcement and we uh we said that's uh what do you think Think Let's we do take it. a trip back over there, and we we did it. We made the trip back over. The trip back over is very different. The you know the subway system was completely empty. Yep. It wasn't mobs and mobs of excited of frothing fans. fans. No, there. no, no. A lot of lot of people heading in the other direction still, uh, which was oof. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I and I remember as we you know got back to that bridge to make that long trek back to where our seats were we sort of like almost got into like a little bit of a jog yeah. making our way back and we we got back to our seats and we settled in and it wasn't like the sun came out but at least it wasn't violently pouring yeah. at that point and we watched what was one of the most insane single driver performances ever, ever. In, in the, the history yeah. in, of not just formula like one. modern formula one but in like the history of formula one uh we got to witness this it's a thing that you if you're like an older fan or know or are familiar with this story you probably got sick and tired of it uh over the past like not now but like the week leading up to this because every Everybody was talking about it. Everyone was covering it because there was rain anticipated for the race itself and the race weekend. And Jensen is also now a commentator with Sky F1. So they were like, oh, what a perfect, we're going to have him call this race. He was already on the schedule for it. So like, let's talk about Jensen. But he really, just epic. Jensen had, well, Jensen had a catastrophic Canadian Grand Prix. He, uh, Crashed into Lewis Hamilton, his own teammate. Yep. He uh, he got outside of that. I think he got like another stop-go penalty or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, it was something along the lines of a stop-and-go. Like a, I think it was a five-second penalty, so I don't think it was like a ton, but it was enough to be like, oh, well, he was, he was crushing it. He was coming back up through the field, and then he got a huge stop-and-go penalty. Uh, mm-hmm. so it was like, oh, well, that was cool. Let's see where he finishes. He'll finish in the points. At that point, Lewis was out of the Grand Prix cause Lewis had crashed. Uh, so we were like, yeah, let's see, let's see what we got here. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a, what a wild finish though. L- literally Jensen button went from being in last place all the way up to second place and was, was just going going along he carved his way through the field it was astounding i mean yeah. everyone was slack-jawed blown away meanwhile uh, sebastian vettel putting on a clinic of driving in the wet just demolishing oh yeah. Crush, crushing it blowing the, the doors off of everybody like had um, one of those typical like oh seb's out he's out front by like 20 seconds in the rain like he's got this there's no way I mean, good job, Jensen, but like, you're not going to catch him. It's just not possible. And sure enough, Jensen's slowly reeling him in. Mm-hmm. He's getting closer and closer to him. He's he's literally carved his way through the entire field, and everyone's like, this is amazing. He went from last place to podium. 
unbelievable. And he starts closing in yeah. on Vettel, but but it's it's just not meant to be. The clock is running out. Because we're also we're, we're we're also sitting back at our at our seats. We're back at that hairpin, and every single time Jensen came around, you could visually see that he was closing the gap. So like mm-hmm. what happens usually at the race when you're watching it is you have to like watch these giant screens to see some of these moves that are happening at the overtake spots, at some of these like trickier areas of the track. But because of where we were seated, we could literally watch Jensen breaking later than Seb as he came into that hairpin, getting better exits and getting better uh, straight straight line speed out of that hairpin. And it was like, like we, and not that we were like, oh my God, we called it, but we were like, Are we, this is actually happening. Is he going to actually like come back uh, at this point? Because even on raw pace, it looked like he was going to catch up to Vettel. And he did. I mean, he fully caught up to Vettel uh, on raw pace. He caught he caught up to him, but not enough to get around him. Yeah, like just just not enough. Yeah, and we got to the final Literally. lap of the race, and and everyone was still just like in like standing ovation mode for for Jensen Button for being able to get as far as he had come. And we had all but been, the, and not just like I'm saying us as like new fans, like everyone who was there realized at that like probably at like lap 50 that they were watching something historic so everyone every time they came around people were on their feet like from also also every also everyone there had been in mother nature's headlock for the last you know yeah four hours at this point this was literally it's like the sun was about to set it was this is this is also because of the red flags and the rain delays, this is literally the longest Formula One race that is ever. Yeah, they put taken a place. rule into place in order to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. So the reason that yeah. races have time limits now is because of the Canadian Grand Prix in 2011. Because it's like you can't. You, we got to call this at some point. <laughs> a Formula One race like clockwork is designed to last 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. This race was over four hours. Yeah. It's just not meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not meant to happen. And so in that final lap, sure as shit, Jensen button is closing that gap mm-hmm. on Sebastian Vettel. And we're watching on the monitors at this point. And I still remember it specifically because the camera the cameraman had to do this wild, like refocus to be like, what, wait, where's the car? What's going on? And all of a sudden the camera turns because it wasn't, the car was not where it was supposed to be. The car was not where it was supposed to be. And it was like Vettel, the pressure of, of Jensen breathing down his neck, got to him. And he just, he lost the car, did a small little spin, nothing too dramatic, no serious damage or anything, but he just lost control of his car enough for Jensen Button to get right around him and and get a first place finish from from last place yeah. to first place Ab- absolutely mind from falling to last place so it's not that he started it's that he like yeah he went fr- like from middle like he ate shit hard so into last hard. place he knocked he accidentally knocked his own teammate yeah out of the race he had to serve a penalty during the race like he had all of these pretty vicious blows to yeah. him 
And yeah, I mean, I've I've never seen such a standing ovation for like, you know, you didn't have to be a Jensen Button fan that day. No, no. To be going absolutely berserk for no. this guy. I mean, I was by proxy a Jensen Button fan because he was driving as Lewis's teammate and I was so new to the sport and so like wowed by everything that I was like, yeah, I'll just root for his teammate. Sure. I didn't I wasn't thinking of anybody else really on the grid at that point. Uh, so it was like, oh, well, there's still one McLaren in there. Let's see if we can like get him up there. You know, at least it won't all be for nothing. And then holy shit, was it not all for nothing? It was for the win. Uh, just truly incredible. Uh, so this Mm -hmm. set us up because we were in this euphoric state to then go onto the track, John, um, Mm-hmm. Go onto the track and that's right. That's and, right. And just be like, "Hey, man, we suffered. Let's go for it. We let's let's walk around this track. Let's let's do it." Yeah. So at the at the <sighs> conclusion of the race, there's a very informal thing that happens, which is just the fans overpower the infrastructure and just force their way out onto the track, and everybody just on foot is you know walking the racing surface. Uh, you know, looking for a little shard of carbon fiber here, yep. or, or like a, or a bit of rubber a, or a marble, yeah, a little, see. little, yeah. little, little Pirelli marble somewhere. Uh, you know, yeah, or a tearaway um, strip that is like, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, doubled over and caked with uh, rubber and bugs. Um, yeah, so we we walk up that that long straight after that hairpin because we're like, hey, let's go. We got to walk to the actual pit straight. We got to walk. Let's just walk the circuit. We've already basically walked it this weekend. Let's go for it. So we set out on this adventure. And uh, what happened to us, John? Uh, at that point, just as the racing surface was getting close to draining out the Mm -hmm. last of its water, Mm -hmm. the skies opened and we had uh, possibly the worst monsoon of the entire day. Uh, While we were at the start-finish straight, which had nothing but super like impenetrable fencing around it for like a mile, like, you know, three quarters of a mile in either direction, basically. And I think we found one of those like, tiny little holes yep. the, the, in the, the marshal's entrance like if yeah. if something happens when you see a marshal squeeze through one of those weird little squares uh that is how john and i escaped from one of the most terrifying and traumatic yeah, experiences. helping to like literally like push each other's <laughs> bodies, helping you know, other up and over this wall, you know, like yeah, yeah, like like women uh, and children uh, first, like literally, yep. like it was such a <laughs> wild because uh, everyone's panicking. It's not just John and I on the track; there are thousands of us on the track at this point. Uh, all trying to be like, okay, there's one tiny square that one person can fit through at a time. And it's also five feet tall on either side. So we have to like help people over. Uh, and people took turns helping each other through this <laughs> barrier. <sighs> we ended up getting in some way, shape or form somewhat lost yep. in effectively the jungle that is this park. Mm-hmm. Uh, just mo- mostly just because we we're like, all right, what's the next like closest thing to tree or shelter or whatnot that we can get under? Uh, I had forgotten this up until this exact moment. Uh-huh. I think we did at least a half a mile 
uh, walking under a vendor tent that we we got underneath like a tiny red vendor Holy tent. Holy shit. It was like just big enough for like a single, you know, human's table yeah. uh, setup or whatnot. And we got under that tent and then we just like held the legs like and just walked with it, it as a as walked a, with yeah, it. Yeah. And walked with it for, you know, at least a half mile. Until at, we were at like some point. someone's going Re- to occasionally, you know, occasionally someone else we would just see running through who would like be like, Hey, can I just pit stop with you guys for a yeah. second? Yeah, yeah, come on in here. Yeah. We got you. Um, but still that was, like uh, sideways driving rain. So it wasn't like it was a vendor tent, but like uh, it was it was better than nothing, uh, but not not at all effective. It was all useless. It, it was, was all useless. We were, it was all, we were a mess. All completely, <laughs> all completely useless. Uh, um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think I think that, you know. Th- that was it that was the that was the magical uh first time experience i think the good news is is that there's been several other experiences since then and maybe yes. you know maybe this is something that we can revisit come uh this time next season yeah. or or yeah. whatnot um but yeah uh you know it's it's a it, it makes me so happy looking back on these God. These moments, these memories, uh, what what awesome times! Uh, you know, yeah. uh, feel very fortunate that we had the opportunity to to do that, uh, particularly at that time in our lives, yeah, and uh, and whatnot. So yeah, uh, it's it's Corey. It's a it's an absolute pleasure to go through. It the, really uh, is the, I, the the legend yeah. of the Montreal Grand Prix yeah. with you. I yeah, like we haven't like properly talked about this, maybe because we quite literally were traumatized by that that experience with oh yeah like any and i i mean this in like i know that people are traumatized by things and bad weather experiences happen to people that are much more severe than this and i'm not trying to minimize their experiences but i will say it was it was just rain it was just rain uh but I had so miserable it was so bad it's the worst rain i've ever been trapped in Oh wow! And now I'm just just now remembering this because on our way up to the Grand Prix itself, when we were outside of Albany, when we were driving and we stopped off at Scoobers to get wings. Yep, there to was get chicken wings. Yep, one of the craziest, most intense storm cells passed over us on the throughway itself, yeah. where we were like, "Yo, we have to pull over," and we pulled over on the throughway because you are not we are we are the people that pride ourselves on when everybody's throwing their flashers on and pulling off the side of the highway because the rain's getting really bad like we're the ones that pride ourselves on being like cool now there's some open lanes for us exactly everybody i have good tires i have a four-wheel drive vehicle i have experience and we were both like yeah we should pull out like both of us turn like it was like not even a like hey maybe we shouldn't be doing this it was like ah, i'm going to pull over and i was like yeah 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 let's do that uh and we just pulled over and waited for that to kind of stop and then yep. experienced rain far worse than that far worse mm-hmm. than the rain that we experienced that made us pull over in a car we experienced on uh, in an unsheltered way that just absolutely just traumatized me uh, still to this day, like if it's going to rain, if I get trapped in rain, 
I immediately have like a sense memory of, of that, of those moments, those independent moments of like seeing people closing down the only shelter. Like, remember when they were like, we would walk, we walked up to this building and they literally were closing the doors and taking the trash away. And we were like, but could we, is it? And they're like, Nope, sorry. And I drove away. Oh yep. God, so bad. Yeah, my 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 wife still makes fun of me. Yeah. Uh, to this day, because any trip we go anywhere, I'm always like making a point of being like, "Well, everybody's got you know a couple layers of waterproof <laughs> clothing to take with them, right?" You know. Oh God. And she's always and she's always like, "No, John, we're going to the beach. We don't need your quote unquote." gear yeah but you, you know, don't like, understand no, 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 but, but we never know we didn't expect it either it was a beautiful race weekend we were in like it was canada in june you don't expect to be trapped in like a monsoon so yeah incredible i, I i'm sure that we will touch on more of our canadian experience as as these podcasts continue because we'll have these moments that pop up uh that will relate us to this and we also have gone to other grand prix uh not just this one but you i know you've gone to to another grand prix uh another couple uh and i also have gone to them so when we when we hit those up we'll we'll retail uh regale regale you retail retail you we'll retail you with uh some of those stories as well but yeah johnny uh, i feel like we've we've reminisced enough about the the Canadian Grand Prix. Oh, never, never, never enough. But yeah, uh, no, never enough. But it, but it, but episode. enough for enough for this evening. Yeah. Um. Well, this is this was a blast. Um. If uh, if anybody's out there in the world uh looking to hear a little more from uh from me, mm-hmm. you can find me anytime on uh, on Twitter. My handle's at Johnny Motion. That's right. Um. Also, uh couple quick plugs uh let's see just uh just like 48 hours ago i had an article go live on uh schoolofmotion.com um i've been geeking out super hard on this insane artificial intelligence thing that's making beautiful artwork uh Mm -hmm. it's so cool and so terrifying and uh i wrote a, (laughs) a a little a little sort of uh article slash rant slash descent into madness um uh so you can find that at uh, schoolofmotion.com and uh and also i uh, i just want to know i had a wonderful time earlier today i took my kids to the movies to see yeah uh, the movie lightyear yeah uh, which, i was definitely uh, gonna would, say this if you didn't yeah let's hear it uh, this was this was just a super proud moment for for me uh i recently uh, left my full-time gig working with an awesome team at a studio called Perception. Uh, basically, my my swan song, the last thing that I had worked on while I was there was overseeing the creation of the closing title sequence that plays at the end of the movie Lightyear. Like, such an awesome experience to work on that, but so more cool. than anything, to collaborate with the incredible, incredible people at Pixar, some of the most brilliant people I've ever been in contact with in my life. And was just like, that was a, a, a game changer for me. So really fun to uh, take my kids out to, uh, so awesome. to, the, the, to the multiplex and show them that and even, you know, see my name slide across the screen yeah. and the credits and, and whatnot. That was a 
special special moment for me yeah hell yeah that's uh that was incredible i i, I know that you were we obviously we talk offline as well um but you you were working on that and that was something that you were really really excited about and uh that's awesome that you got to actually see it in the theaters and and take your kids to it too as a, as as a for a movie that you can actually take your kids to uh yeah that's cool because i am as an adult and as like a a fan of the movies and your work as well i've seen your name on credits on a bunch of movies that your kids cannot see yet uh they cannot watch yes. them because it would make you uh it would give you so much work to do as a parent in order to explain yes, what yeah. they've just witnessed so it's really really cool that you got to actually take take the little ones to to see to see their dad's uh work that's so cool yeah it's it was so a cool. huge huge amount of fun um yeah. cory where can uh where can the folks find you out in the world uh they can find me at burn cory burn on twitter uh and also the ucb theater here in la has officially announced that they are reopening and yeah so uh that is that is happening i've got a class that is i think either just about sold out or sold out already that starts in july nice that's awesome i'm excited to work with some folks uh uh, in some in-person improv Um, then we're going to have the show on the actual ucb franklin theater stage out here because that's reopening so oh, uh, that's awesome yeah pretty uh pretty pumped on that and then there's going to be a whole bunch of shows that are going to be happening again at the ucb theater uh i'll be a part of some of them i won't be a part of some of them uh but i will be supporting and attending and i'll, I'll plug anything that i've got going on there too uh but yeah that's that's it uh folks thank you so much for listening to us just wax poetic and reminisce and retail the story of the (laughs) canadian brand free uh uh, from 2011 all right folks we will see you next time on the f1 files (laughs) 